As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Think to yourself for a moment, what do these things have in common? A compass, a scale, the color and temperature settings on your big screen TV, your timing belt in your car, your iPhone, even your earbuds or that little portable speaker that you kind of use to blast your music wherever you go. What do all those things have in common? Each of them need to be paired synced up or recalibrated for maximum effectiveness and maximum efficiency. That's what they have in common. Guess what? If we want to achieve maximum efficiency and output productivity, if we want that too, then we need to be paired to something. We need to be synced to something. We need to recalibrate once in a while to something. I'm here to start a new series and I'm excited we're kicking it off at all of our campuses because we're going to tell you what we need to recalibrate and rely on. Not the what, but the who. And so that's what this series is all about. As we want to recalibrate ourselves to God and his word. Thanks someone. It's like, what the, I mean, what is happening around here? Let me just try that again. We want to recalibrate to, I just thought, man, this is series is going to, Steve, I don't know what to say, Pastor Steve. I, I thought it was going to be like, we're recalibrating to God and his word. And then there was going to be like, I don't know, I'm just saying a little standing, oh, a little cheer, a little celebration, a little, yeah, we're back to where we were. That's who we are. Woo! Oh, you missed the opportunity. <laughs> Maybe next week. But this passage in front of us, and if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to John 15. I want to get back to just bringing Bibles, turning to them, opening them up. I know, no, no, no disrespect to you two who I know that disrespect me a lot. Um, I'm just kidding around. I, I know them. My, my kids know them. And yeah, they do disrespect our family. No, I'm not kidding. And so, that, you know, no disrespect to if you want to use your phone, that's awesome, but... I don't know, I've gotten away from just holding it and I, I want to make sure that, that we have it in our hands. And, and John 15, you know, no rebuke. We've got Bibles everywhere. John 15 is like, this is the passage. Like, we have to start here in this series because if we don't start here, then everything unravels and falls apart. This is like, this is the key. This is the greatest passage in the entire Bible that describes the relationship that God wants to have in you. I, I can say that it, it is the best. And, and I, if you've been at church, you've heard it. But I hope you'll hear it with New Year's as we recalibrate to God and his word. See, I tried it and you still didn't say anything. Recalibrate to, no, I'm not going to give you a chance. But before I read it, I want to kind of show you where we're going. So let's put up this slide. And, and this is kind of, you know, it's fun to kind of know where we're heading and for the next several weeks. It's going to, seven week series starts today. What's the secret to abundant life? That's what I want to talk to you about. What is the secret, hint, 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 to abundant life? And so that's John 15. 
And then next week, we're going to talk about, well, what exactly are we building? Think about the stage. Like, what is this build it, built on? And I know the, the man, gosh, the guy who helped build this stage. And when we got into this um, building and turned it into a church, it was, it, 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 there's concrete under here. I mean, I'm standing on something that, like, like even if we wanted to move this thing, it's going to be a pain. I, and, and so what are we building our life on? Are we standing on, on, on the rock? Or are we, are we standing on the shifting sand of this world? And, and then the next week, so is going to be Mother's Day, how am I spending my time? And so that's the story where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And I can't think of a better way to celebrate our moms that, that served us in such sacrificial ways that, that I really, I mean, my mom, what she would want for me, man, just do what I did. Just serve other people like I served you. And so then we're going to go to what I want to be known for. And in Matthew chapter 5, there's this idea, think about a light, and, and it's like nobody would put a basket over the light, And so that's the passage, all Jesus' words. I know it's orange, but it's all red letter in your Bible. And so that's, how do we recalibrate? Man, we got to just get back to what Jesus said. Anybody with me? Like, what does he want? And what is his desire? And and that's where we're headed. And then, you know, I I won't go through all, well, I guess I am almost there. What am I stressing about? That's the whole idea that, you know, there's a passage in scripture in Matthew chapter six. And and Jesus said, man, you know, God cares for the birds and and, in the air. I cannot believe what, what happened. Like literally on my patio in our front yard, front, in our front of our house, we have a fan. I'm looking around. I'm like, what the heck is going on? There's all these sticks and branches. And, and I'm like, what is happening? And I go outside and I look and I look up at the fan. A bird put a nest there. <laughs> literally on the fan. I can hardly wait till he lays those eggs. I'm not that cruel. But if, the, if God cares for the birds, then you don't think he cares for us? Nobody switched no light fan on you, although it feels like it sometimes. And, and then what? And then how am I resolving conflict and what am I living for? And so conflict is all about you know, logs and specks. Before you remove the you know, speck from your brother's eye, remove the log from your own. And, and then what am I living for? That's the, the idea of you know, treasures on... Not, I'm, not, I'm not investing... In, in treasures here on earth, I'm, I'm investing myself on treasures in heaven. And, and that's what, you know, limitless is all about. Greater gospel impact that, that we would be known to invest in kingdom opportunities and not just things that we want. So let's jump in the scripture. Jesus says in John chapter 15, he says, I am the vine. And he says, my father, he says, I am the true vine. Very important. Underline that word. I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And, and then he goes on to say that every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. There's the objective. Already you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So no worries. You're in me. You're connected. It's okay. But then verse four, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So no misunderstand. Who are we? We're the branches, hopefully not the sticks. He says, for apart from you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. It's a reference to eternal judgment. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you would bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Lord, I pray that our joy would be full, that it would run over, that that we would have a supernatural delight in who you are because of what you've done and what you will continue to do. And I'm just dedicating all your word to us as faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as we kick this series off at all of our locations today, I just pray, Father, that um, this would be one of these series that just sets us in the trajectory that you want, whether we're discouraged over some things, whether we're hurting because of some situations that we can't control, um, whether maybe some of us were just even feeling like a mountaintop where some good things are happening, but, but Lord, we want to recalibrate our hearts to you and to your word. And if you agree with that, give me an amen. amen. So I want to give you secrets. This is like, sometimes it feels like it's a secret, but these are the secrets I don't want you to keep to yourself. I want you to share. So how is it that we get this abundant life? Well, the secret to abundant life is life change. That's what God's going for. That's what the illustration is all about, that, that, that you would experience change. And so that you can only experience change if you're plugged into the vine. And that's why Jesus says, I am the true vine. And when he says true, listen, there's a lot of places we could go in this text. Let me just go here for a moment. When he says, I'm the true vine, what is, put our thinking caps on. It's uh, 8.30, 9.30 in the morning. It's 8.30. I didn't even change my watch. Um, it's 9.30 in the morning. What does it mean when he says, I'm the true vine? You're right. There could be false vines. No, there is false vines. So there's false vines that some people attach themselves to. It breaks their hearts. And they're not producing what God wants in them. That, that's, I mean, that's a message in itself. So we can be attached to the wrong thing, even with the right heart. And, and so our motives and what we're doing... But then he says, you know, it's interesting how Jesus passes the buck. He says, my father's the vine dresser. I kind of like that. Because he's like, God's the one in charge. He's in charge of what's going on here. Make no mistake, you and I are the branches. And he's in charge of producing. And in order to produce what God wants, warning, warning. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit is gone. He takes away. We're going to come back to those two words. Every branch that does bear fruit... He prunes that, what's the result? More fruit. Nine times in this passage, fruit, 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 fruit. That's the life change. Fruit. How do we get the fruit? Dang, I wish it didn't say this. It's pruning. It's God uses the good, bad, and the ugly to make him more like himself. How many have experienced some pruning? How many, man, I just would like to go to it through another season of pruning, God. I'm up for that. Just prune me, whatever you want, Lord. Just take, do whatever, whatever. Just cut this off. And, man, it's painful. But, but this is what boggles my mind. It's the only way to get to this. That's it. And so before we get too discouraged, interestingly, this Greek word that's translated in most of our English Bibles takes away. It's sometimes, and I don't know, but if you do your research, sometimes it means it lifts up. So think about this, that God wants you to bear fruit, and if you're in a season of difficulty, 
discouragement, even depression. God wants to lift your spirits. He wants to lift you up. He wants to be the support system. Think about our analogy. He wants to be the trellis in your life to lift you up when you're falling down. That's God. That, that's the God we, we worship. I mean, he wants to be our support network when you know, everybody else is turning their backs and they're telling me to do what? I just, I love that about this picture that God wants to produce something in you that you cannot do in yourself. Fruit. So I brought a basket of fruit. Some of us look like we're a little hungry. And so there's some good fruit. Um, I have a lemon. I don't know who, give it to him. Um, he's, he's a lemon. I got, I don't even know what this is. That's a mango. Um, great job. Very good. And so we got all kinds of fruit. I didn't have fruit this morning. I'm not really sure what is going on with this. Does anyone know what this is? This is a zucchini, and it was yeah, made right. in Canada. And God wants to produce a wrapped zucchini in you. That's it. He wants that. I just, I just, so, so I'm having fun, to, and I'm saying this. Like, what exactly is behind, what, what is the fruit? And, and so what, what, what's in this basket? I want to do a quick, this is message within a message, quick Bible study on fruit in the Bible. Every time in the New Testament where it talks about what is the actual fruit that God wants to produce in you, ready, set, go, here we go, six things, six types of fruit. This is what God wants to fill your basket with. First is this, the fruit of personal holiness. And so that's important. Romans chapter 6, verse 22, that what? You've been set free from sin. So there's this other basket over here. It's a little rotten. And, and that's not you anymore. And, and so he wants to, man, I mean, he wants to do some things that, that he set you free to produce your fruit to holiness, which is that you're set apart for his work and his purposes. And then how about this, the second fruit of godly character. And this is probably the most well-known one. So this is from Galatians chapter five. Make note, singular, but the fruit, one basket of the spirit is, God wants to make you more loving, more joyful, more peaceful during hard times, more patient when things don't go your way, more kind when somebody does something stupid, more, he wants to give you more goodness, he wants you to be extremely faithful to the people that he's put around you, to even in the church. He wants to be gentle in your response. He wants you to have self-control. This is the one that it's like to master yourself, your emotions. It, it, that's what the fruit, man. And, and so again, you can't do this unless you're connected. It, it, that's the fruit, the fruit of good works. Third kind of fruit is the fruit of, oh, it is good works, excuse me. So we got fruit of, uh, holiness, we got fruit of, what's the second one? Godly character, and we got fruit of good works. And, and so this, I won't read the whole thing, but Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Wow. Anybody feel the weight of that? That's not easy. Well, we're telling you how to do it. And, and he says, bearing fruit. Wow, isn't it interesting that he goes to that analogy? In, in every good work. And then so forth, the fruit of this, I love this one, fruit of sincere worship. And so let's read the verse, Hebrews 13, 15 says, through him, Jesus, then let us continue to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Hey, why do we spend so much time singing around here? <laughs> Voila. I love our 
worship team. They work so hard to do what? Not to show off their gifts, although they're gifted. They want to put us in a place where we can experience and create an environment where you can walk in, drop what's on your heart or in your mind or weighing you down and focus your attention on the Lord. And that's not an easy thing. We praise God for them and their commitment and what they're trying to do each week to kind of build that atmosphere. And so this says, if you're a follower of Christ and you're plugged into the vine, then you're going to worship. And so I'm hoping to even just ramp us up for the last song, that we would worship with sincere lips of fruit of our lips would acknowledge the name of Jesus Christ. And we don't sing about God, we sing to God. But I don't have a great voice. God knows that. And the person next to you probably does too. But God gave you that voice. And God wants to hear that voice, no matter if the person next to you does or not. So sing. Man, recalibrate our reliance. Let's get back to who we are as a high point church. Man, we're about worship, are we not? We're about worshiping in spirit and truth. And man, let's recalibrate our minds so that we don't waste this time. It's not a throwaway. It's dropping our kids off or coming in and talking in the lobby. The fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. I think there's two more. The next one is this, the fruit of financial giving. And so that's, Paul's talking about that in Romans 15. He says that, therefore, when I have finished this, this offering, getting it, I have put my seal on this fruit of theirs. I'm going to bless this. It's going to be used for kingdom expansion purposes. And then the last one, the fruit of sharing Jesus. So we're identifying what is in the basket. And Paul uses another analogy of fruit to say, so that I can obtain some fruit among you. So I'm going to go to this place that I can win some people to Christ. So, so right now, list, th- there should be no confusion about what God wants to do in your life. That's the basket he wants to produce. Like, don't walk away here today and say, I don't know what God wants in my life. This is it. That's it. It, it, Like, there's nothing else. Everything is in this. I mean, so get the picture, man. This is John 15. Why is it the most important passage in the entirety of the Bible? Because God's saying that he wants you to be a tree that... This is what you're to produce so that you can feed other people. Because we have a world that needs the gospel. We have a world that needs love. We have a world that needs peace. We have a world that needs sanctification of the believer to impact others for Christ. That's what we're doing. that's, That's greater gospel impact. I mean... I mean, that's it. That's what God wants you to do, man, in your house and at your job and in your community and that your kids are going to feed off you and that other kids are. That the people at your workplace, they're going to see, man, just a bad example. You're not that the lemon. (laughs) But that, man, I'm just, uh, I'm luscious fruit that, that I'm to feed other people. And so, Is this a year? Is this every month? Is this every week? 
is this every day? I don't know if we can push it that far. But, but like, what's, what's in your basket, man? Like the last week, the last month. I know all seasons are not seasons of great harvest. I know that my father-in-law was a farmer and I get what he did and the work and the intentionality and I understand that God causes the growth. And maybe you're in a season where it isn't abundant, but that's not where he wants to stay. And, and so he wants to do some things in you that you can't. Question, how? Well, that's where we get to the next secret. The secret of life change is reliance on God. That's it. Now, I'm going to just tell you verses. I'll show you verses four through eight really quickly, but I'm just doing it because I want to show you the word abide. That's the secret. That's the reliance. That's the dependence. Abide in me as I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine. And neither can you unless you abide in me. And whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And then verse, next set of verses. If anyone does not abide in me, there's the warning, you're thrown away. And if you, if you abide in me, then my words abide in you. Ask whatever you want, man. I mean, this is going to be good. And, and he says it, if you keep reading it, he says it 10 times. The word abide in this passage. How many people would say, that's kind of a lot. And so I should probably focus on that. And so if you've got your hard Bibles, you just circle it. And so what does it mean? It means to make your home in. And so Paul uses the analogy. We talked about this last week at Easter. If you were here, Christ in you and us in him and that we're to make our home in him, in Christ, in him, 170 times in the Bible, Christ in me, at least seven or eight times, like, like that's the relationship. And so abide, I've always used three words, continuous dependent living. That's what it means to abide, to make your home in. Continuous, meaning it's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like you plug into the socket and it's just in. And, and you're plugged in. And again, if you're not, then the warning in this passage is, man, you know, you, that's eternity we're talking. And then by what? By dependent. This, is, this gives us, it's John 15 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I look at, at the nine o'clock service here. There's some people that have been here for years. I'm just so thankful for you. And every time we close a service, if you're new or you guys aren't new anymore, um, it, 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 we say, walk in his strength. And so it's kind of, you know, I've often thought over the years, yeah, it's kind of cheesy, is it? Like, should we keep doing that? I mean, we did that 22 years ago, and I, I just need to tell you, it's from this verse, John 15, 5. And so if I'm teaching, if Pastor Steve's teaching, whoever's on the platform, at whatever stage in our church, and understand what I mean by that, John 15 is like the flare at the end of the service that says, whatever he said, whatever she said, whatever I said, you can't do it. You can't become a better person. You can't be a better dad. You can't be a more effective servant. You can't do it in and of yourself because it's continuous, dependent living. So with a show of hands, let's vote. Do we want to keep saying it for the next year or not? How many people want it? Okay, so if you're voting, okay, we'll keep saying it for at least another year. Because we can't do it on our own. And then the living part is, you think about, you know, I've often asked the question, and maybe you've been asked it, and maybe you're looking at your kids, or you're looking at somebody you know, or somebody in your small group, and how do I know if they're a Christian? I mean, not everybody that says they're a Christian is a Christian. 
I mean, how exactly do you know? Slow down, settle down. The answer's in verse eight. And so that's why this passage is so helpful. By this, my father is glorified, what, that you bear much fruit, and then so prove to be my disciples. So how do you know if someone's a Christian? You you inspect the fruit. You just examine the fruit. But who's he talking about? He says that what? He, He says that in verse eight, by this my father's good, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I don't think we're to be fruit inspectors for everyone else, but we're to be fruit detectors in our own life to spread the fruit. That that's the question we gotta ask you. Am I the real thing? Well, do you have any fruit of this decision to follow Christ? And recalibrated reliance, man, let's just plug into the power source and let's just abide by continuously depending on him as we live our life with intentionality, purpose, and focus. Now, I already mentioned my father-in-law was a, um, a, a fruit grower. Joe Shoup, love him. Um, he was a stud. Like, this guy was just, he was like, I, I want to say the Marlboro man. I don't know if you can say that anymore. But he, like, that's what, you know, he smoked. And he, you know, he's just like, whoa, that guy's cool. And, and his name was Joe. And so, Joe cool. Do you see the picture? And, and so, so, honestly, he was, he was one of these guys you just, you just gravitated to him. He just had, there's something about his personality and very kind. And um, Jody takes after him. And um, she's not smoking anymore, though. Just kidding. And um, she smoked when she was in fourth grade. I'm kidding around. Um, I shouldn't have said that. And I'm really off the wire right now. And somebody please help me. And um, so she wasn't a Christian then. And she was bearing no fruit. Um, okay, so, so, so seriously, though. Okay, now I'm really in deep. Because, well, if we smoke, we're in... Hey, please don't do that. We're not that kind of church. If you've got to have a cigarette, just get up and go, okay? Come back, though. Okay, so, so where was I? My father-in-law was a fruit grower. That was all that was in the notes. That's all I was supposed to say. My father-in-law was a fruit grower, and every time that I was ever on the vineyard or he had an orchard, they grew grapes and apples, pears, I never once... And many times, Jody and I were sneaking around there. I never once heard a tree moaning, groaning, or complaining. I never saw a tree sweating. I never saw a tree like getting angry and upset. Like, why? Well, as silly as the analogy is because they were just doing what they were made to do. They were doing what they were created to do, is to bear fruit. And so that's what you and I are created to do. So we got to stop moaning and groaning and complaining about the pruning and, and we just got to use whatever is happening in our lives to produce fruit. Fruit that other people can, can feed off of. So what's the secret to that? Well, the secret to reliance on God is obedience to God. Always comes back to this. Just always does. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I didn't get some coffee this morning, so let me just, what if I ask somebody to say, hey, go grab me a cup of coffee. Got to, you know, we'll get coffee out there for free. Uh, if you mind, could you get two raw sugars in there? Because I like it that way, the raw kind. You say, well, why do you need that? Jody tells me I need more sweetener in my life. Somebody got that. <laughs> and so let's say I said, go get me a cup of coffee, which nobody's doing. And let's say somebody just said, which all of you are doing now, you say, no, you get it yourself. Okay. 
Somebody could say, though, yeah, okay, I'll get it. And then this is your great opportunity, and we would never see you again. (laughs) You're in your car, you're gone. You've even left the kids here, oh my goodness. Somebody else could say, yeah, I'm going to get that for you. And they could just remain seated like all of you are doing. And they never do it. Well, what, I, th- I didn't know you wanted it now. Now, it's a silly analogy, but somebody else could say, which, yeah, I'll, I'll get it and run out there and put the two raw sugars in and say, you know, he actually needs a little extra sugar and run it right up here. And, and so I use this foolish, simple, stupid analogy that isn't working for immediate application <laughs> to ask yourself, what is the definition of obedience? Well, it's doing what God wants. It's doing what God wants when he wants it done. And, and it's doing it with a great attitude, a smile on your face. I mean, that's obedience. And I hate that everything comes down to obedience. But that's what we see in the text. That's what's in this illustration. It always comes down to obedience. Will you do what God says? And, and obedience and love are connected. We see that in the text. That you prove your, your love for him by your obedience And so, just like I want my kids to obey and they always don't do it, always don't do it the way I want, always don't do it at the right time, God wants us as his kids to obey. That's that's what he wants. So the secret to this is obedience. The secret to reliance is that I'm, I'm, I'm relying on him so that I can do what he says. And so here's three quotes on obedience. We're going to talk about obedience next week, so I don't want to steal too much thunder, but first one, I love it. It's from um, Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He says, one act of going to get the pastor a cup of coffee is better than a hundred of his sermons. (laughs) Isn't that an interesting thing? Like one act of obedience. And and then how about this one? I love this one, Uh, Sinclair Ferguson. Be obedient when you don't know where obedience will lead. Man, I'm, God's asking me to do something, take a step of faith here that, I mean, if I forgive that person, if I put myself back out there, like, like how about this one? And, and I love Andrew Murray because he's the dependence on guy guy. He, God guy. He's the humility guy. And so he gets back to our text and he says, the one thing he commands us is his branches is to bear fruit. We've seen that. He says, let us live to bless others, to testify of the life and the love there is in Jesus. Let us in faith and obedience give our whole life to that which Jesus chose as for appointed us to bear fruit. So what's the secret to obedience? I've already said it. It proves our obedience. It's love. So that's what comes next, is our love for God. And John chapter 15, Jesus defines the love. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So he's like, hey, just do what I do, okay? Just, just, just be like me. And then look at, hint, hint, hint. I mean, he's saying this to the disciples. This didn't happen yet. Greater love is this than knowing that someone lays down his life for his friends. Who did that? Jesus did. And so for those who have been around the church a while, you know this word love, it's gotta be the agape kind. That's the Greek word that says self-sacrificing, self-sacrificial, you before me. John Mayer wrote this song. He wrote this song called Love is a Verb. I totally agree. It's you know, a good song. But I think he stole that from DC Talk. Anybody with me? Remember that? Didn't they say that first? That love is about action. It's not about what you say. It's about what you do. As I look at some couples in the audience and 
man, they've been married for so long and they're so faithful to one another because they love each other because it's not how they feel all the time. It's what they do. That, that, that it's about what I do. That proves your love for me is what you do for me proves. Yeah, Dave, that's very funny. Yeah, I knew you'd be the guy to do it too, Dave. Very good. I put four in there for you because you really need it. That's exactly what he said. Love Dave. And I've uh, been coming to our church since the high school. And uh, he heard this illustration before and he didn't respond, so that's why he did it today. But, but really, uh, it, it's about love. And, and so love is about sac- self-sacrificing love, that, that, that we would sacrifice ourselves. And, and there's, there's, uh, there's 59 love one another commands in the Bible. And so that means, you know, they say pray for one another. They say encourage one another, teach one another, admonish one another, bear with one another. I mean, all these are pictures of this love that God wants us to do to each other. And, and that's the beauty of the church. We have what we call, um, it's called um, Fast Track, Next Steps Fast Track, and that's coming up next weekend. I think we've heard about that in the announcements. Amy might have shared that. And so what that's about is sticking your stake in the ground and saying, I just want to be a partner here. And so whether you look watching online, you can do it from you know, there or here in a person. Like We want more partners to stick their stake in the ground and say, we want to be committed to this body because we want to experience love with one another. And we want to practice these things. And we're not always great at it. We kind of mess up. But, but, but that's the fruit that we want in the church. And I, I know uh, one pastor, he, he said it like this, which I, because you've probably heard before, some people would say, they say, um, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I, I love, I'm committed to Jesus, but I'm not sure about the church. But I heard that. Maybe even said it. Maybe even thinking it right now. Jesus gave his life for the church. We've just seen that. And I love what this one pastor says. He says, some people say they can be committed to the church and not committed to Jesus. That's true. But you can't say you're committed to Jesus and not committed to the church. You just can't do it. Like, like that's his heart. So what's the secret to love? Best part, big reveal. It's that we know. That we know Jesus personally. And so look at verses 14 and 15 in your text and just pick out the two times it says friends. And so Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants, no longer do I call you anything. You're my friends, guys. And that was really critical. You know, Think about them following a rabbi and they didn't have that personal connection or relationship. Jesus is like, hey, you're my buds. And so we can be friends with God through Jesus. So I don't know about you, but you know, you, you do a couple life, laps around the track of life, and you know, I got a couple high school friends, not very many. I got I got some college friends that we still interact with. I, I got some guys I played basketball with in college that I'm still, you know, it's like we talk and, and and like if you can walk away with a few good friends for a lifetime, how many would agree you're pretty fortunate? I, I'm right. I mean, it, it's just it isn't easy, and we move and we do this and. And so Jesus wants to be your friend for life. And so the reason these guys have stayed close to me is because they know me, I know them, 
And so we know each other. We know our tendencies. We've experienced each other. And so that's the kind of knowing that we're talking about with Jesus, that that I know him because I've experienced his love. I know him because I've experienced his forgiveness. I know him because I've experienced his touch. I know him because I've experienced his leading. Can you say that? That that's the whole message. That that you gotta know him personally. You gotta be able to point to a time in your life where you committed yourself to him, where you dropped what the, admitted that man, my life stinks and I'm not very good at it and admit that you're a sinner and believe in Jesus Christ and what he did and confess him as your savior and Lord. And then he wants to produce fruit. So, So if you've never done that, like just, I'm just saying, time's down. And, and you can know him just like, just like you know the person next to you. Better. Because he already knows you. And, and so let's, let's look at the message outline. The secret to abundant life is life change. That's recalibrated reliance. Here it is. The secret to life change is reliance on God. You could put the word abide. The secret to abiding is obedience. The secret to obedience is love, self-sacrificial love. The secret to me loving and being a more loving person is that I know Jesus. That's what multiplies and maximizes the love that I have. I love better because of who loves me. Because he first loved me. And so get ready for the second big reveal. Let's go not front to back, but back to front. And look at this for a moment when we think about what God wants to do in you. When I know Jesus, I mean, when I know him personally, I love Jesus. I love what he's done. I love who he is. When I I love Jesus, I want to do what he says, even though I don't always get it right. Even though I don't do it all the time, exactly, I want to obey Jesus. And and when I obey him, I got to tell you, the only way that I can do what he asks me to do is by abiding in him and getting the strength from the power source. And, and when I rely on Jesus, I, I bear fruit. I, I change. That's why it's my favorite passage. That's what we're going for. Recalibrating our reliance on him for true change. Let's stand to our feet and worship him. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. I know your heart is to produce more fruit in each of us. And we declare now that apart from you, we can do nothing. We declare that you're the one who paid the price for us to do the things that we could not to get the second chance. And we're going to proclaim the gospel in song from the praise of our lips because we want this to be a sincere offering from our hearts because we want to bear fruit for you. And we know that doesn't happen by accident. So God, hear our praises as we verbalize our love for you and use this series to change our church, to change our families, to change each of us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.